Welcome to Until Saturday, the college football podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. And Ari, this is not Stars Matter. We are going to talk recruiting, but this is not Stars Matter. Yeah, uh, well, whether or not Stars Matter will be a a discussion point (laughs) on this podcast at some point. Um, I know people have been excited about getting Stars Matter back. Uh, We have decided to go for the first month of this year, or I mean, sorry, the first month leading into... uh, the season of this podcast life, just kind of taking everything without a structured schedule so that we can preview it properly. We promise you stars matter with Manny and grace will return um, at some point uh, once the season starts and have its regular middle of the week spot that you guys have become accustomed to, but we couldn't preview the season and talk about college football for a month straight without having a recruiting podcast. So Mitch is back to host. He's ready to, you know, get those off-season reps in and then he'll be ready to go once Stars Matter comes back. I'm excited to have you back on, buddy. I missed you. Yeah, it's great to talk uh talk recruiting. Obviously, a lot has happened. Unfortunately, we did not record during the month of June, which has been the busiest month on the recruiting calendar now that uh now that, you know, official visits happen and commitments happen uh, all the way through, you know, July. It'll probably slow down a little bit soon, but a lot to get to before we talk specific recruits. Your good friend Pat Mardu- Pat Narduzzi, a head coach at Pitt, very successful head coach at Pitt, surprisingly very consistent. Go to his Wikipedia page, look him up. He's done a really good job there. But he's not afraid to speak his mind, which we all appreciate. And he got on. I don't even know what the question was, but it was at ACC, and it's not ACC Media Day. They call it ACC Kickoff, Ari. So creative. I'm going to did read you fix co- that in my column that I yes, wrote about I did. Him? Yes, I did. Okay. Did, did you read the column? sure. Yeah. Um, there was like 1,500 words. I'm sorry yeah, I missed that there one. There was only three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so here's Pat Narduzzi. I don't care where the rankings are. We don't recruit stars. I'm not looking to have the flashiest recruiting class because all those stars, because all those stars don't matter. Some people just recruit stars. Oh, he's a four-star. Let's take him. We're not going to do that. We try to avoid that and look for the best possible football player that fits our program. I will say most coaches have this attitude. They recruit the best guys mm-hmm. from their program, but they're just not so, I don't know, cavalier about it. Now, he's a guy that can maybe back it up because you know some of the best players in Pitt history have not been big recruits. So I know that caught your attention, Ari. Yeah, I mean, I could just like start off the show by just going on a rant about how important stars are. And it's like, that's I, I, it's, I don't even think that I'm upset about what he said. It's just basically what he's saying is we're not going to recruit off of the the, re- the recruiting services rankings. That doesn't mean that they don't pair any result into how they go. So, you know, I think most coaches, if they're doing it right, will do their own evaluations and take players that they believe to be, um, you know, diamonds in the rough that can develop into something good or someone good or a player that can be an impact guy. And Pitt has done very well in the field. Now, the thing that I will always take exception to is the idea that the recruiting rankings are just a, uh, galaxy of made up and fictional numbers that don't have any uh, bearing on who wins national championship and plus who plays at the highest level. And, you know, Nick Saban could get up and say the exact same quote. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that the result is that he's still getting all those five-star players. There's a correlation between good players and where they're ranked for the most part. Now, are people misranked or um, are players three stars when they should be four or five, you know, Sometimes it happens, um, but if the the crux of what he's saying is, is we do our own evaluations, I don't think that's a profound statement. And if he thinks that stars don't matter and that there's no correlation between recruiting rankings and success, he's just frankly wrong. So, um, you know, I, I think that maybe I'm just like the, took the the month off from stars matter and became a little bit more Zen as it came to my approach. But, you know, I didn't even feel the need or the desire to write a column about it because I thought the quote was pretty benign and, um, you know, I, know, I used to, to just get out. triggered. I yeah. used to get just triggered by doesn't stars don't matter. And it's like, okay, well, you know, if you want to win a national championship, they do. And if you don't, then you can keep recruiting your three stars and hope you do well. And like they, there's different levels um, to the sport, Mitch, like Pitt's not supposed to win national championships. So why would he say five they stars matter? They don't get them. Yeah, you love that. That's your favorite thing to do in the world. What year yeah. was it? 1963 or what? Like what? I'm, you think I was alive in 1963? Come on, no. buddy. What year did they win the championship? 76. Last? 76. Okay. Yeah. Um, what year were you born? Uh, 71. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll move on. But um, and if there's a, there's a guy like who can talk like that, 
it's someone who has a track record at the school he's at. His job is secure. He has, you know, he's, I don't know if you've, Pitt's reached their ceiling. I'm sure Pitt fans think they can go a little higher, but he's a guy that's pretty much reaching the ceiling at his program, doing a good job. So he's not afraid to, to talk like that. The problem that I have with Pat Mar- Narduzzi, and it's really not really a problem. It's right. just, he's a gift that keeps on giving. He regularly says things I disagree with. Um, and that happened again at ACC kickoff this week when he, um, you know, thought that the best solution to college football's parity problem would be to cap someone's uh, NIL income. Yeah, um, and we've got to like, move my on. Mind. Thank you. Ari's yes, column. we're not going to go on that. Yeah. Read the column, but yeah, read, read um, the column on that. I thought um, the stars don't matter thing was the second most inflammatory thing he said at the at the meetings this week. So okay, yes. okay, we're going to transition into. Notable five-star commitments since we last recorded, although I don't really know the exact date we last recorded, but there's been some, uh, you know, I guess already You haven't time. been crying in your bedroom every day since Stars Matter stopped well, I, recording? For the first three weeks, but then, yeah, you know, I had to come to grips okay. with things. Um, I still talk to you. I just couldn't, you know, record with you. Yeah, we talk quite um, a bit. Although I record every one of our conversations for HR purposes, That would be bad way. news for me. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mike Matthews to Tennessee, five-star wide receiver from the Atlanta area, number 13 overall. And just, just I mean, anytime you get a five-star, you're going against good competition. But just it's based on what they did last year and what Josh Heupel's proven, it just seems like this was just, you know, a wide receiver from the Atlanta era, area. Seems like a, a natural progression now going to Tennessee. Obviously, Georgia, that would have made sense. A lot of schools would have made sense. But this one didn't necessarily surprise me. Yeah, I mean, if if you're Tennessee right now, what is the position group that you could best sell? Quarterback. Like, take all the NIL discussion out of all that, but like the Baylor run and gun, we dropped fifty at home on Alabama offense last year. Um, is a very attractive place for a place like for a kid like this to go. So, you know, the thing with Tennessee has always been that uh, um, they need to stack elite level classes if they want to continually beat Alabama and beat Georgia. They're going to get a second shot at Georgia this year after last year didn't go so well. And, you know, part of the reason that Tennessee didn't do as well in that Georgia game a year ago is that they probably would have liked to is because they just don't have the dudes from top to bottom to um, withstand the relentless you know, punches in the mouth that you get when you play a team that's loaded with five-star players. So any player that you can get that adds uh, to your tally and shortens the gap between the two, I think is a huge win. And, you know, obviously the hope for Tennessee is that they'll continue to do so and maybe even at different positions. But the thought of Nico Collins uh, teaming up with uh, Matthews is a really exciting, you know, Nico proposition Collins? for me. What did or the I other say? Nico. You said Nico Collins. Nico Collins is a uh, wide receiver who used to play at Michigan um, yeah. who I have a one-of-one one football card that okay, I was sir. trying to sell. Um, okay. Nico Iamaleva, if I said yes. that right. Yes. I know how to pronounce it. I just can't say it. So Nico yeah, is how I, I say it. I didn't mean to say just Collins. Nico. I'm sorry. Uh, Nico's fine. This one surprised me more just the timing. I didn't know it was imminent, but Josiah Trader, the five-star from Miami. I think mm-hmm. some services list him as an athlete, but most schools are recruiting him as a wide receiver. Uh, number 25 overall, and the key here, it might not make a difference, but he's high school teammate with uh, Jeremiah Smith, the number two overall player in the class. Pretty good wide receiver core there um, at Chaminade, at Hollywood Chaminade. So, yeah, what'd you think? Yeah, yeah. If you're like a DB, <laughs> just some like normal dude who's like, oh, who are we playing this week? Uh, yeah, coach, I'm hurt. You know right? what's it's- crazy? Um, Ohio State signed Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in the same class. You know, and we don't have to relitigate all of Brian Hartline's successes there. But when Garrett Wilson came through, you might have thought you can't get a better receiver than this. Um, and then they they move on, and now Marvin Harrison, I think, is potentially going to be a top three pick. Like the way he is so good that people are already calling him the best physical receiver that's ever played at Ohio State. And now, if you that's go bold. look at Jeremiah Smith, he is the most complete wide receiver recruit or prospect in the history of the rankings. Like if you go look at his overall ranking, his tape, his measurables, you know, where he's from, the speed, the, I mean, the catches that he makes are just, I don't even know. He changes directions in the air when he has nothing to to grab onto to change it. I, I don't know how he, the body control is out of this world. Um, so yeah, we're not talking way, about we, that. We refer to him as the number two overall recruit on three has number one. Um, number one overall yes. in the country. Yes. 
Yeah, so for a receiver, that'd be an interesting story to go back. And he's a very entertaining kid. I talked to him down at the Elite 11. We wrote a story about that if you're interested in, you know, where he's at because he's, you know, flirts with schools. Like, that's that's the way he does his recruitment. He would not be an Oklahoma <laughs> commitment right now because he's uh, <laughs> he's he's definitely not – he he's playing the field, but he yes. is committed to Ohio State. Um, and then Miami goes in and gets his teammate, who's also a five-star receiver, um, and keeps him home. So it's a double-barrel situation here because, one, um, Miami has done a good job of um, getting an early commitment from another kid who I believe is probably going to be taking some visits this fall. Um, and if they could keep him home and sign him, then that's like step one of the crystal ball um, you know, playbook of how to make Miami good again. It's always just about keeping kids home. As boring and as consistent as that we say that is true. Um, and if there's something that could be done, I don't know if it's a flash in the pan year or not a flash in the pan, like a uh, a big time year that comes out of nowhere for Miami that gets Jeremiah Smith to look because he's visited there so many times because he lives in the general area. Um, I could not imagine like what that would do for Miami if they got both. But I'm a gambling man. And if I had to bet, I still think that Jeremiah Smith's going to sign with Ohio State. Yeah, that would why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, here's one uh, that you wrote about. Elijah Rushing, a, an edge rusher from Tucson, Arizona. Signed with Arizona, number 28 overall, and no dog in the hunt. I know Arizona's your alma mater, but you don't have a big dog in the hunt. But I think it's, I, as a college football fan, someone who follows recruiting, I love it when a kid from hometown you signs with hometown, even if they're not a, a power. Yeah, well, I mean. Or commits, hasn't signed yet. <laughs> Yeah, he hasn't signed yet, but you know, I did some reporting on this and wrote a column about um Arizona and their pursuit of him and you know, at the previous staff uh just didn't really spend a lot of time trying to get Bijan Robinson out of the same high school, South Point Even Catholic. though he's 2.1 one miles away, right? Or yeah, 2.1 or 2.2 miles away from campus and you know, at coach Sumlin over there was driving a Porsche 911. That would have been a fun I, I don't know, maybe you would yeah. want to open it up on a highway. There's no highways in Tucson, which is weird. Really? There's no um, interstate that goes through Tucson? There's an interstate that goes through it, but you don't like, there's no like loop. Okay. Okay. So like if you're driving from the Eastern part of the city to the Western, there's no highway to drop on. Like you just gotcha. take the roads. Um, So uh, maybe if he's driving like to San Diego or up to Phoenix on I-10, that would be a fun way to open it up. But he, his son was on the team and he didn't really drive over there all that often. Um, there seems to be this notion, Mitch, that it is impossible to convince a hometown kid, if you're a place like Arizona or another uh, school that's on the same stature in a metropolitan area that might not be large, um, t- to convince these guys when Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State and Texas come knocking. And the thing that I admire about Jed Fish and his coaching staff is that they didn't take no for an answer. And the all the overwhelming likelihood was that they were going to have to hear no for an answer, but they kept recruiting him. They they sent the entire staff over to South Point. They were consistent fixtures in the hallways, and they sold Arizona as being the destination for him to be the hometown kid hero and for his head to be on all the billboards and for people who live in Tucson and aren't leaving Tucson um, to recognize who he is already and to play through his career there. And I think the other part of this, too, is um, they sold him on the idea that the local NIL market – um, though Arizona is probably not going to be a heavyweight for um, inducements and all the things that we hear about on the message boards, that local businesses in the city of Tucson would be more likely to sponsor or to uh, financially compensate. Those are the same thing. Compensate a <laughs> local player who stayed in Tucson around their ad campaigns and somebody that they would be paying to come from, you know, California or Texas or somewhere else. So, you know, Everybody's different. Most people, I'm probably one of those those people in the most category would want to go to Georgia or Ohio State or Alabama because I'd want to play at the highest level. But not everybody's ticks that way. And like we've talked about in the past, and you're like the number one person who bangs the drum on this, Mitch, is if you're a five-star talent and you are actually built a certain way, you can go anywhere and get drafted. So if he can go to Arizona, stay home, be close to his family, be in a city that he clearly wants to live in. Um, have a really good career at U of A, even if they never win a national championship, this still could be a top five pick if he develops the way that he can, while also cashing in on the NIL um, side of things in a way that it's supposed to be done. And I think that for all the things that people get angry about in recruiting, which is the inducements, the cheating, the cat, like all the stuff that we argue about all the time, 
I think you can make the case that this was the most pure recruitment as it pertains to the NIL and how it's supposed to be used that you could possibly come up with for a five-star prospect. So I think there's a lot to celebrate here. And Arizona's success and the fact that they properly used NIL in the way that that's supposed to be used. Yeah, and I don't know if you grew up an Arizona fan. I assume, you know, it's a local school, probably wanted them to do well. And not to be corny about it, but, you know, Arizona's not going to win a national championship. But let, let's say they go 9-4 and four and they just have a great breakthrough win. They beat Arizona State, have a good bowl win. Like, that's going to mean a ton to that kid yeah. who grew up there and his family. It's, you know, not would it mean as much as winning a national championship somewhere else? I can't answer that question. But you can still have a great college career and great college experience if you don't make the playoff. And you also can be the catalyst for more people doing yeah. it. Like, that's also the thing, too. It's like you could be – the person they point to and say, well, ever since Elijah Rushing chose Arizona, more kids decided to do the same. And he was the beginning of the change of the university that he loves. Yep. And like that, to me, is a victory that doesn't come on the field. Um, and you're dedicating your life to a cause. And by the way, he's probably still going to get drafted because he's awesome. And yeah. he's going to make a ton of money in Tucson because the local restaurants and the bars there that want to sponsor him probably feel a, a deeper, a less fleeting connection to a guy who's just going to hop in the portal a year from now because he's not from there and only came there for NIL money. Quickly on Taylor Tatum, five-star uh, running back from Texas going to Oklahoma over USC, number 31 overall. Number The noteworthy thing is we don't need to rehash the, the running back situation in the draft and all this, but he's fringe five-star, but he's the number one running back. Um, so really good get for, for – You don't want to talk about Saquon Barkley not getting the money or what? No, you don't not on this pod. Uh, not on okay. this pod. Uh, the, the, the noteworthy thing – you don't thing, think that running back should be compensated the same amount as other positions or not? I think podcast hosts should be compensated a lot more than podcast guys who just show up and start talking. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the no- notable thing here is, which I'm sure Oklahoma fans loved, they get a five-star running back and they beat out Lincoln Riley in USC. So like, yeah, you know, that's great for them. Um, here's one that is notable. Also out of Texas. I, you said that, right. But like yes. the fact that they're able to continue to, um, make ro- uh, strides in their own state. It's a it, it's a hi- huge knock state. on USC because it was like one of, wasn't he like the kid that they went all in on? Yeah, at that position, and they didn't get him. And then of course, in Rhodes in in Texas for Oklahoma are going to be important even as they go on to the SEC. Sure. Um, Demarcus Riddick flipped from Georgia to Auburn, um, number twenty six overall from uh, Clinton, Alabama. Hey, I'm not here to tell anyone what they can and can't do, but I'm not a big fan of the. Uh, commitment ceremony when you've already committed and you're flipping. But yeah, if he wants his second moment in the sun to shine, uh, but huge, huge get for Auburn. We're going to go, we're going to talk first year coaches, Hugh Freeze later, but Ari, Auburn's back in the recruiting game, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I looked this up. It was the first five-star prospect they'll sign since the 19 class. And we're talking about a team that you know, has beaten Alabama pretty semi-regularly under Gus Malzahn and won a national championship in my lifetime. It's fun to say my lifetime yeah, because mine, mine doesn't span quite back as far as yours does. Um, Although you're, you're catching up to me. Yeah, I am Although catching you can't up. Really well, I'm not catch. catching up to you. I'm proportionately. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I'm not getting it. older faster than you. <laughs> I don't um, know. Look in the mirror. <laughs> no, you look great, Ari. You look great. Yeah, I look great. What's wrong yeah, with you? I like the haircut. It's um, good. But, yeah, that's the uh, – well, I don't even know what you're talking about because I was so caught <laughs> off guard by your personal attack of my appearance. What, Auburn, what were you saying? Auburn got Auburn. five star. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. So it's the first time since 2019, though, man, that's yeah. a long time for a program that has traditionally competed at a pretty high level. I know it's been kind of ups and downs with them, but like now they're getting 2019. I mean, 2019, the first five star, and to flip them from Georgia. I know that you know there's some talk about whether or not Georgia's so sad to see him go. Blah blah blah. All I know is that right. Hugh Freeze understands what needs to be done at Auburn in a way that the previous coaching staff didn't seem to respect. And uh, this is a step in the right direction for a program that expects to and wants to compete with Alabama every year. I would have liked to see, from an Auburn standpoint, Hugh Freeze get the job four year earlier with that outstanding class of 2023 group in Alabama, see what he could have done. Yeah, it would have been cool to see them cook there, yeah. yeah, Especially because all of them were defensive linemen, so they would have definitely had some some different avenues there. Right, right. Um, and then on Friday night, early evening, uh, Charles Lester, five-star uh, from uh, defensive back from Venice, Florida, is down to evidently uh, Florida, looking good for Florida State over Colorado. Um, so that would be another another good get. Good get. Uh, I believe it would be the second 
five-star and fifth top 100 guy for Mike Norvell a year after really relying on the portal, showing that he can get it done in the high school ranks. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Um, let's talk about quarterbacks, Ari. You want some stats? Sure. Okay. You, can we do that again? You want some stats? Sure. You know how like PJ Flex supposedly like he you want a standing the room because you want a better word. Yeah, yeah a better ovation. I wanted a better reception to my stats. So um, thirteen. Okay, there's sixty top one hundred quarterbacks. Sixty. 60? Qu- sixty. No, that's an Ari stat. There's sixty in the top one thousand. Oh. All but three are uncommitted. We'll get to them in a minute. Thirteen power fives are without a quarterback. That seems like a oh. high amount now. Arizona, Arizona State, BC, Clemson, which probably won't sign one, Houston, Maryland, uh, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Oregon State, Pitt, UCLA, USC, and Virginia. Six have two, BYU, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Oregon, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt. The, the, the uncommitted ones are Desmond Williams. Let's talk, we're going to talk about Arizona again. Number uh, 16 quarterback, 302 overall, long time from Chandler, Arizona, long time Ole Miss commit. Decommitted. In fact, I thought he'd already flipped to Arizona, I'd, but he ha- he's, he's well. He's, Arizona was like the main right understanding that that yeah. was where it was headed, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, so that would be really nice. Um, second year in a row, they get a four star quarterback. What's the other guy's name? Brand- Braden Dorman, I think, is a freshman now from Colorado. Um, Trevor Jackson, who might be playing the smart long game as a as a fast riser from the elite 11 you wrote about him Manny Navarro's written about him he's number 20 overall 330 336 from Orlando uh Pitt might got that Miami offer Ole Miss after losing Williams offered Penn State but Penn State has a quarterback commit Oklahoma so he I don't know he a guy like him I almost yeah, I wait the- until December and then see what big see if like Ohio State last year with Lincoln Kineholtz comes in after they you, you might end up at a really favorable spot yeah, it's like this weird tightrope between making sure you get a spot and then wanting to hold out for the best possible situation. It's like with all the quarterbacks that are committed already, I, I guess you've already come this far. Might as well hold out. Yeah, um, yeah. And you go on some when I talked to fall. him in California in July um, or the end of June, he, I got the sense that he was um, considering a few schools but was very open to new opportunities. So I would anticipate that he's going to see how things go. And, you know, take it day by day, um, explore new opportunities as they come, and then, you know, hope for a jackpot. And if not, he'll have a place to land. So, I mean, he's really good. I mean, he's got yeah. a rocket arm and, you know, looked like he belonged on that field with the rest of those, you know, five-star top 100 players that were surrounding him. So Yeah, and the other top uh, 1,000 quarterback who's not committed is Meluikai, if I'm pronouncing it right, Smith, number 38, 579 overall from Sarah High School in Southern Cal. Um, not much buzz about his, I, I reached out to Antonio Morales, you know, our USC writer covers recruiting for us. He was going to do a little diving, uh, see if we can figure out what's going on with that recruitment. Um, and then here's one that just been popping up lately. The number 55 quarterback, Brendan Zerbug, Zerbrug is committed to Northwestern, but, um, evidently there's a lot of Oklahoma buzz there, obviously with what's going on at Northwestern. We saw some of their top freshmen from last year's class already transfer before even playing a game. Wouldn't be surprised there. In this one, we might have talked about this before last part. I just was intrigued by this one. Like going back to Pat Narduzzi and doing your own evaluations and recruiting, you know, rankings. But Jakari Williams was a, and I think he's even slipped in the rankings. He's a top 500 quarterback who had been a longtime Georgia Tech commitment from in-state. He decommitted one day, a couple months ago. And then the next day, Georgia Tech gets a commitment from a guy named Aaron Filo from Georgia as well, ranked like 300 spots lower. At the time, I don't think he was in the thousands. So to me, that just stuck me as one, hey, I don't know if something happened, but Georgia Tech clearly liked this other guy better. Williams has since committed to Syracuse, but I just, I won't, I'll just monitor those yeah. two guys going forward. See, I, you know, and I really don't you know like what to happened. You see that with sort of thing. Yeah. Just kind of like watch the track. Yeah. Um, also, what a come up for Zerbug, huh? If he ends up at Oklahoma. I mean, yeah. Not to, to make light of the serious situation that's happening in Northwestern, but. You know, you you put yourself in a position where you level up a little bit as a result of the unfortunate things that happen there, and you know that's a pretty good story for him. So, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. All I love. There's nothing more fun than monitoring quarterback dominoes, and then of course following them into their careers. And that's part of the reason why I get so amped up every year to, you know, watch college football the first few weeks. It's like this is the year of Drew Aller. This is the year of 
Cade Klubnik, uh, you know, Kyle McCord, maybe Devin Brown. There's all these different names that are popping up for the first time um, that, you know, we followed so closely on this podcast and in our coverage. So right. certainly uh, love that game as well. Right. And it's, and we've talked about this and it's the fascinating, although some schools have two and some will have none, but for the most part, it's one school, one power five quarterback, you know, uh, one power five program gets one quarterback and these coaches, they evaluate a bunch of guys. Like Clemson does it unique, and Grace wrote a good story about that uh, a few weeks ago. But for the most part, you might like three or four guys, and just because one guy's ready to commit, that doesn't necessarily mean you like him the best, but you're quote-unquote yeah, stuck with him weird. unless you're – and then you just – and if you let another guy go because he's not ready and he goes to your league and you play him next three or four years, it's just – I know coaches, they move on from recruiting probably more than fans, but I find that aspect fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's just the highest stakes in recruiting. Yeah. And that's why I think that I've always liked uh, Clemson's approach, which is one at a time, because then you don't put yourself in a position to to have to face that. But, you know, also you go down that list one at a time, you're going to your best, you're always in order of who you like the most. So it kind of works out that way. Right. But you got to be damn sure you're evaluating them right, because if you like them in the wrong order, then that can really get must you know messed up pretty quickly. So um, there are two other flips too here, Mitch, that I think we might have covered in the past, but we didn't. Um, but we might not have, so we want to say it on the on the show anyway. Am I understanding that correctly, Daniel? Yeah, I Kalen? don't know if we talked Daniel Kalen. Uh, you've written about him from Missouri yeah. to Nebraska, and then I know we talked about Haas Haney from Duke TCU. I'm just uh, I'm we? fascinated by him. I just knew you. Uh, you I wrote really about him. him. I don't recall if we talked about him, but okay. um, the coolest thing about let's just start with uh, Kalen here. Um, Nebraska showed competence in the recruiting realm. Uh, they prioritized Dylan Rayola as they probably, not probably, as they should have. Um, it's a generational opportunity, and I don't use that word lightly, even though we overuse it, um, for a first-year head coach like Matt Rule to go after a number one overall player in the entire country that has such steep uh, and deep connections to the University of Nebraska. So you have to go all in on that. And as a result of going all in on that, for the hopes of landing him, they had to put Kalen on the back burner. And then Kalen of course, committed to Mizzou. I wrote a story during the, the commitment to Mizzou about why he did it. He said he wanted to be prioritized and felt like Mizzou wanted him from the beginning and that he was comfortable there. Awesome thing to say. The day or two after Rayola committed to Georgia, Kalen flipped from Mizzou to Nebraska, which means that um, not only was he lying to me, <laughs> I'm kidding. He, you say what you say. Yeah. Um, but how Nebraska the handled time. that. Yeah, and he, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's things change, circumstance change, and you feel that way, and you you're drawn to that because at that moment Nebraska is not an option for you. But then the second Nebraska became an option for him, he flipped, which means what? That Matt Rule managed that conversation and that family the right way, so that if and when that that window opened up again, not only did they wind up getting him, but they did it quickly. Which to me, you know, forgive me, but I don't know that I would have a ton of uh, confidence that Scott Frost would have handled it as smoothly as he did. So um, I'm I'm pretty high on Nebraska and their ability to, you know, kind of get back to a team that wins eight or nine games uh, on a consistent level before maybe even more. And the reason why, and I've said this on multiple shows now, but I'll say it on here is it's like I love the consistent and crippling uh, uh, competency. Like it's just it's that's what it crippling is. I competency. Crippling competency. I kind of like that. it's consistent and in your face. Every day, no matter what you do, you know that Nebraska and their staff is going to be competent, which is such a departure from what we've learned to expect from them. And that is an exciting notion if you're a Nebraska fan. I think I say this all the time. If you're a fan, any team, pro, college, you just want to feel like your coach, your administration is giving you the best chance to win. And and, and that's the the case. Haas Haney just – go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say Haas Haney – I saw him at the Elite 11 Regional in Austin, I think, in June. Then I saw him again at the Elite 11 Finals in July. And he is 5'9 or 5'10. He's a little bit – well, he might even be 5'11 listed. I don't know. He's shorter than the the regular – or the, the highly rated prospects and what you regularly expect um, from a five-star prospect. But he is every bit as talented as them. He's also super, like, track fast. Um, I'm not an uh, expert on what a fast – 40 uh 100 yard or 100 meter dashes but apparently he ran like a state championship level speed um and beyond 
and he's going to TCU and his family and his parents went to TCU and they live uh, near Fort Worth. And uh, it is the perfect fit for TCU who just, you know, doesn't have to go get a five-star quarterback, but just has to go get one that fits. And, you know, if you thought Max Duggan was fun to watch last year, I kind of feel like this is a without, it's like so hard because people thought Max Duggan should have been a Heisman final or Heisman trophy winner last year. Um, or at least in that conversation, like he was, um, and like Haas Haney is like a more talented player at this level of his career than he was. So I think that's a huge get and kind of like, I almost would like guarantee if I were going to bet on anybody being a very consistent playmaker at the college level out of all the quarterbacks that I saw, like I just know in my plums that he's going to be a really good player. Your plums. Interesting. Um, I was watching. Um, have you seen Eastbound and down? Uh, yeah, but it's been a few years. So. You should watch it again. It's hilarious. That's just yeah. a, that's a line from that show. Yeah. Um, and Duke, tough loss for Duke, but actually, from a ranking standpoint, they rebounded and got with Tyler Cherry, the kid from Indianapolis, mm-hmm. who's ranked higher than Haney. And so that yep. was a nice. That was then for for Duke. That, that when you lose a recruit like that, it doesn't, doesn't happen like that often. Yeah. yeah, so good for that staff. Couple, before we go, we're going to talk about some notable first year coaches, Ari. But I meant to mention this before with the five star commitments. A couple other ones I wanted to bring up: KJ Bolden, one mm-hmm. of three five stars at uh, Buford High School on August fifth. Is that number team seven? Be good, do you think? The team, I think so. They, what do you think? Like six and three, maybe. And one of those five stars is Rayola. Yeah. Um, number seven overall: Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, Georgia, and Ohio State uh, in the mix there. And then here's one we've been hearing about for a couple about a month now: Micah Hudson from Temple, Texas, number nine overall. A lot of Texas Tech buzz. Nothing's happened yet. Texas Tech, Texas battle. I mean, obviously a long way to sign, but if I'm Texas Tech, I want this to happen sooner rather than later. I can't wait to, you know, if that happens, but that's going to be a hell of a party. I think, you know, yeah, a lot of Texas tech buzz, Mitch. I mean, yeah. a lot of people think that they have a chance to be the dark horse in the big 12 this year and, you know, to do some things. So I'm excited to see how that all plays out and, you know, good on Texas tech. If they get this kid to, you know, go out and get a five-star prospect in their state, like that's uh you know, temple, Texas is uh, not the, it's pretty far away from Lubbock too. So, it's, Where is uh, that? I don't even know. Is that Dallas? Is that North? Uh, Temple, I think, is on the way from the – if you're driving from Austin to Dallas, it's in the middle, I think. Okay. That makes sense, actually. Okay. So, but Lubbock is like hours and hours yeah, away. I um, yeah, right, so, I know. I know. I'm yeah. geography. Yep. Yes. Some notable first-year coaches – uh, always good to last year we had some really high profile there's some this year but we you know just, just with it doesn't LSU. quite hit as hard this year yeah. as it did last year yeah. um stanford with the highest ranked class of the new coaches this was from two days ago things might have changed my research but troy taylor um number 17 class i'm gonna go over we're not gonna go about just the, the number i'm gonna throw out is Blue chip ratio. How many of their commitments are blue chips? Because that's like at this time of year, class rankings are so swayed by how many overall players and they have a big class. Six of 22 are four stars, but they're kind of surging. They got, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but maybe a month ago, Elijah Brown, the quarterback from Southern California, number 11, um, quarterback number 148. And that's nothing you, Stanford has always recruited the quarterback position. We also, obviously, Stanford with a ton to sell. But in this NIL transfer area, I'll be very interested to see how Troy Taylor does. Um, and, a, and a Cal graduated that. Yeah. And uh, also, too, there was some buzz that early in his career that this was going to be like a national recruitment at that position uh, for Elijah. And USC might have been in the mix earlier and it was going to be a national thing. So for them to to get him, I think, is a nice little get. And, of course, you know, we had this discussion before because you went to Vanderbilt and you're super smart. But a lot of these teams – and these programs that have had um, really high academic standards. I feel like Stanford is probably the most positioned to be really good, and they've had better yeah. classes in the past than some of the other ones. So oh, um, I wonder what the difference is. That'd be a good, maybe a good story of like, what's the difference between Stanford, Northwestern, and, you know, maybe just this isn't the month re- ranking, to, to dig reputation. on that. But yeah, it's just considered that stuff. The pen- just, but like, how could, but, considered but the why, why has Stanford I mean, I guess that's not true because Notre Dame is pretty high up, but I don't, I don't think that Notre Dame animal. is. Notre Dame's its own animal. I'll tell you, Stanford has a track track record of success over the decades. Not consistent, but they have done it more than Vanderbilt's done it, more than Northwestern's done it, more than Duke has done it. And it's just a, it's just yeah, a great I, school, great place to go to school. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. And uh, they've been able to, to convince good players to go there at a higher level than those other guys. Yes. Um, 
Nebraska, we don't need to go. We, we, here, here's a couple things. Matt ruled the number 19 class, 18 of 24. Is that right? Look at, did I write the blue chip ratio down? 18 of 24. That seems very high, but maybe it's true. I'll look it up in a second. Um, Wisconsin, Luke Fickle. By the way, if you want to read Wisconsin recruiting coverage, Jesse Temple does a great job. He's all over that. Uh, number 21 class, seven of 20 are four stars. Four of them are from Pennsylvania. Uh, interesting there. And then I'm going to get a couple more and then I'll let you chime in. Purdue, Ryan Walter, number 23 class, very quietly, only four of 20 or four stars, but he's a guy you wrote, you wrote a story about the quarterback commit from West Texas. I think he'll recruit well. And then Georgia Tech, Brent Key. That's a program that we talk about just should be better at recruiting. Number 25, four of 23 or four stars. Yep. That's, that's, that's impressive. Um, okay. No, no other thoughts. I'll continue. Mississippi State, Zach well, Arnett. We're kind of on a roll here. What do you want me to do? Okay. You, you then I you get mad you at me with some some deep thoughts. Mississippi State, Zach Arnett, number twenty nine, five of sixteen. That I don't have my spreadsheet right in front of me, but that's Mississippi State is one of those. And Arkansas are always seemingly. All right, correct me if I'm wrong. Don't you think they're always like ranked in the twenty three to thirty three range? They're always very they're always consistent like every year. Yeah, yeah. Scott Satterfield, um, number thirty seven at Cincinnati, one of eighteen. Is a blue chipper. The, the blue chippers four star quarterback Samaj Jones from Philadelphia, um, who Penn State was in the mix for. I don't really know how serious it was on their end. Hugh Freeze, we mentioned. Here's the number that jumps out, Ari. They're 27, but they only have 12 commitments. Nine of the 12 are four stars and one five star. So I think it's nine total. Get so that, yeah, that is that's, that's big. Uh, their average player rating of 91.84 sixth. Um, Arizona State. Kenny Dillingham, number 42, 0 of 15 or 4 stars. And then Jeff Brom, number 48. These are the top 50, 3 of 14. I want to circle back. The two classes of first-year coaches that I'm surprised aren't better, Arizona State, Kenny Dillingham. Maybe just it's a slower build. And then yep. Colorado. Colorado just thought yep. – you've written about it. We've all talked about it. We know what happened in the transfer portal. I just thought they'd be hitting the recruiting – high school recruiting a little harder. Yeah, and then Charles Lester was just, uh, you know, the five-star cornerback out of Venice, Florida, was just, you know, at Colorado this past week uh, on an unofficial visit in July. So, um, you know, I guess like you never can rule out the fireworks at the end of the Colorado right. situation. But um, you, I thought that they would be a more consistent player for players who were ranked in between like 200 and 500. And I feel like it's just kind of, you know, not really hitting as hard as I thought it would. But that's a... You know, we're talking about the one of the worst Power Five programs of the last, you know, five, ten years. You're it's like not team. an easy thing to do. So, um, and Cam said that Nebraska has six, four times. Yes, I was just, I, think I was just going to, I did stars. my math yeah. probably. I, they had 18 three stars. So, um, thanks, Cam. I was going to say gonna... 18 out of 24 would have been crazy. So, but. you have the, do you have that list in front of you? Do you have this, if you don't, no big deal. <laughs> Which, who are you buying stock in of that list? Okay. Um, I'm buying stock in Matt Rule. Okay. Um, I'm buying stock in Luke Fickle. And this is what I was, when I was quiet earlier, this is what I was waiting for. Like, do you okay. get through the, the spiel and then we were going to talk about it. Um, I'm buying stock in Kenny a Dillingham. Far, you know, it's been a few, it's been two months. Yeah. We, we I mean, but I've been working like an L- well-oiled machine on the podcast feed. I know. I'm I'm in prime shape. I don't know you what are. you're doing over there with nine takes to say welcome to until Saturday. I'm yeah, not know what's wrong with you. That's tough. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I think that of the ones that I for sure would like, I think we know will be good and good at recruiting and good on the field are Matt Rule, Luke Fickle, uh, Hugh Freeze. I'm buying a ton of stock in. I don't know if I'm buying stock in the baggage, but I'm I'm buying stock in getting it. Um, because Auburn was dealing with a coach that just didn't understand what had to be done or the way that the job needed to be approached uh, in order to be successful there. And Hugh Freeze, for all his faults, certainly does. And then I really like the Kenny Dillingham hire for obvious reasons because I wrote a column about it before it happened, and I think that's going to be more of a slow burn, but I think that over the course of time, if you have a guy who's in his 30s who wants to be there and understands what needs to be done, from a plan standpoint for Arizona and Tempe to be put back on the map in Arizona, you couldn't have hired a more perfect fit for that. So those are the four that I would be most excited about on that list. I'm a little underwhelmed by 
I mean, I guess Louisville and, and Jeff Brom, but I talked to Jeff Brom on the phone for a story I never ended up writing yet. Uh, maybe I'll get to that. It's just I don't understand like what Louisville's plan is. You know, it's just like they're oh, we'll go into Florida, we'll go into Kentucky, and it's just like I don't know. You know, I think that the excitement and what he was able to do with Purdue, you know, you can blindly trust that he'll get it done at his alma mater because he's a good coach. And he's a Louisville like, native who played there. I don't, like, yeah, that's the yeah thing. right. I know. You know, everything about about that hire makes sense. It's the prodigal son returns home, you know, dynamic that we've seen so many times. But I just don't know what – like, I was like, what is Louisville's plan? And, like, I just don't know if I got an answer that – you know, was like a story because I couldn't really de- decipher what, like, I mean, going after the best players in all the areas is just not a plan. So um, very curious to see if they're going to attack Florida and try to you know, have, uncover yeah. a, a Lamar Jackson type player. That's a three star that turns out to be awesome again. But, you know, from the day to day, like, I'd love to know what their like tiered plan is for, you know, you know, here's what we're going to do first. Here's what we're going to do second. Here's what we're going to do. Third. What did he do best at Purdue? Find some wide receivers. He did. Yeah, and he got he got some highly rated ones too. Yeah, so I mean Dave Bell and uh, uh, who's the the I can't one believe he's on the Cardinals. Like the best player. Moore. Yeah, I was like the best yeah. player in college football for a while, for about six it, weeks. It, there. Yeah, well, there's a lot of players that come through. I mean, I saw him run for like 900 yards against Ohio State in person a few years ago. Yeah, when I they saw him in person ass. too. He was, he was um, fun to watch. He's, he's really good. Yeah, so um, and it's like when I'm, I'm buying stock and I'm not high on Scott Satterfield. Um, I thought that for a place that has had consistent success, um, you know, with their coaches, you go back to Brian Kelly and Mark D'Antonio and, you know, some of the other ones, you know, some are in, in the U.S. Senate now and some are, are off, you know, doing really big things at their next stop. But I thought they could have attracted a more um, a more attractive name for that job. Um, more I mean, I just don't get excited when someone's on the hot seat somewhere else and six months later gets a brand new job. You got to restart the clock. Georgia Tech, I think, is hopeless. Um, oh, hopeless. And They're in Atlanta. Did you, you, you know, we did the when we did the um, three-star U series, dude, yeah. it was like they signed like three four-star prospects in a 15-year period. Well, part of that was Paul Johnson. It's They've, awful. Paul Johnson was. You have a blind spot. For Georgia Tech, like you think it's easier and better than it is. I think no, it is a just an impossible place to do it. I, it is, I don't know. Okay, I, I just think okay. There's there's a happy medium there. They should be better. Sure, I, now, I it's, just don't it's have any. It is legitimately difficult academically. It's like a tough school. Like once you get in, some schools like once you get in aren't as difficult. Like Georgia Tech's a, a, a difficult school. So there, there you are. You know some, what I've always wanted to know. And I want you to answer this because this has nothing to do with football, but I've always wondered this. Okay. Because you are Mr. Academia. You have a very smart, genius daughter, and you are went to Vandy yourself, and you're very educated. Do you think that if I went to Harvard, I would be able to pass all the classes? Like, what's the well, hardest that, that part about That is one thing Harvard? about Ivy Leagues they say is the hardest part about getting into an Ivy League school. The hardest part in. about Ivy League school is getting in. They don't want anyone yeah, to fail. Like, they don't want the anyone to fail. the classes hard? I mean, I think you are challenged. I didn't go to Harvard, so I don't know. I think the classes are hard. I think they're difficult, but I think they don't want anyone to fail. I was I was a 3.3 student in high school. Unfortunately, I didn't put a, a lot of effort in there. I probably could have saved my parents a lot of money for college. But I've always wondered, are, are Yale and Harvard and Stanford actually – much harder to pass the courses once you're in or is it just the prestige of getting in and then you're just like a regular college the classes like, do you think are if different. i would have gone to vandy thought, out of high school that i would have gotten a degree there or do you think i would have flunked out i mean anyone can flunk out anywhere it's just how much no effort i'm saying gonna... they, I, you know that i i graduated from u of a you know i'm not going to screw off my entire i'm going to do my yeah, homework so i'm going to go to class i would have yes. graduated right yes so I like that's grad- the thing too it's like oh all like are all ivy league diplomas are just who worked the hardest in high school or is it actually who the smartest people are? well you gotta be you gotta get in obviously if we're not talking athletes you gotta get in like i thought we don't we're digressing. i know but I, if i would have busted my ass for four years and only cared about my academics in high school for four years and tried really really hard i could have gotten a 4-4 gpa and tested higher than i did but i just worked at uh, lids in high school and like hanging out with my friends lids. and going to burger king nice like i i, don't, I just i never was a crazy study really hard person and I didn't put a lot of effort into it. I got a three, three, but I think I could have gotten a four Oh and gotten into a better school. And I don't know if I would be a smarter person because of it. It just would have been, I got in. I thought, 
I thought this is going back 25 years, obviously. I thought Vanderbilt was difficult. Like you had to, you could. And maybe that's the case. Yeah, I don't know. If you didn't study, you you would get D's. Like if you worked hard, you get, you know, you do okay. But if you didn't study, you get your ass kicked. But let's. uh, Do you think it like my (laughs) intellect level that I would go to Harvard (laughs) and just pass all the core? I might not have a 4-0. And honestly, I think that unless you're going to grad school, getting a high GPA in college is just a worthless exercise anyway. Um, But like I would have graduated from Harvard. If I got in, you have to follow instructions though. You don't read things very closely. You know what the problem with our job is? You're hitting me on email. You're texting me. I got Slack messages. I got voicemails. I got FaceTime calls. Like I I can't just, it's hard for me. Okay. So maybe I wouldn't have passed. (laughs) Okay. I think you're answering the question here. (laughs) It's just, you're trying to like get in touch with me in nine different mediums. It's hard. Uh, Well, I'm testing. Do you see the Google doc? I've got more Google docs than freaking medical city hospital. (laughs) <laughs> is Get that a real hospital? Or just, Ducks? No. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Not we, a couple more things we hit on. This was not in the agenda, but that grab ass replaced trivia because yeah. we're not doing trivia. Yeah. I forgot. And my excuse is it's not stars matter. So it's no trivia. Uh, thoughts on Clemson two, five stars recruiting a wide receiver position. Really? I've been impressed with what Clemson's doing in this cycle. Yeah. Um, I wish 247 didn't mess up their page so, and I could like look we're, at their we're, stats. We're trying cover. to, yeah, we're, we're trying to get that fixed. I, I just do a drop down menu. So if I look at a recruiting, yeah, class, we, lo- I can we love you 247. Please, we, love we don't rankings. want to leave you. We, we want the composite back, baby. It's like, I want to look at what's going on here. Why are the logos like on the rankings bigger now? Oh, this is just might just be the internet, but yeah, 17 commitments, uh, 12 blue chips out of the 17 commits. And using stars. their rankings, uh, unfortunately, and not the composite, they've got uh, four players who are rated in the top 100 of the 247 ranking. So, um, you know, Sammy Brown, I think, was a huge get. We're talking about one of the best linebacker prospects in the country out of the heart of Georgia. You know, that's definitely like if you look at a picture of him, it's like, where's that kid going to college? It's like, oh, Georgia. And he's going yeah. to Clemson. And, you know, getting two big time blue chip receivers and, and Bryant Wesco and TJ Moore, uh, one out of Texas, one out of Florida. That's nationally recruiting at a high level. I loved that uh, Dabo Sweeney went out and just kind of stopped with the promoting from within crap and got an offensive coordinator and Garrett Riley to come in and freshen the offense up. If I were a receiver, I would want to play at Clemson more as a result of that higher than I would have previously. Um, I just don't know. Again, the thing that's, that's constant with, with this program is, uh, it was a perennial every single year going to compete for a national championship could beat Alabama is built to beat Georgia. Um, and I don't know if they are anymore. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't think they can make the playoff this year, but this class uh, pales in comparison to what you would see from Georgia and Alabama. And the saddest part about it is that Clemson used to be on that level. So I just kind of feel like they are. Uh, and I've been saying this for three years and people got mad at me three years ago. And I feel like we're starting to see the the effects of it on the field. It just seems like they're slipping little by little by little. Um, so my hope for them is that they make the playoff this year or, or make some noise and then, you know, kind of rejuvenates their their program enough to recruit a class that can sign 10 top 100 players because that's what they desperately need to do. We're not doing the three-star development you crap anymore. It's like, you know, when Alabama's signing nine five-star players in a single class, like there's a certain point where that stuff's just not going to work anymore. Okay. Good. That was a pretty hard take after some grab ass. Yeah, it was just sort of like a little softball there. So we're we're gonna head out here soon. I do softball. I kind of melt. I melted down. Yeah. A hey, what do you think about Clemson, Ari? And then and I just I sit you. back and um, Florida. Pro- yep. Probably based on since we started recording Stars Matter what two years ago, the ratio of time we've spent on a program to wins is like the most out of whack between Florida because they haven't won a lot of games, but it's just a, it's a program that we, we all agree should be really, really good and, and whatever. And yep. we don't need to rehash the Dan Mullen class ranked number three, average player rating of 91, seven, two is fifth behind Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state, USC blue chip ratio of 14 of 21 last year. Their blue chip ratio was 18 of 22, but their average player rating was lower. Here's my assessment of this year's class with ways to go. More very high-end players, but maybe not as much mm-hmm. depth as last year. That's, uh, I think that's the perfect rebound for what they did last year. Let yeah. last year's class be the foundation of your roster. Uh, players who aren't good but aren't necessarily expecting to start in year one or even year two. Then supplement that class with a higher average player rating by bringing in the five-star prospects because that's the thing that's been killing them, right? Uh, ever since the Dan Mullen era, they stopped competing with Alabama and Georgia and 
with you know the other schools for the five star players. So you know your class is led by um, you know DJ Lagway, who once was a five star. He's a five star prospect in the in the composite ranking and a six foot two, two hundred and thirty pound kid with a huge arm. And then you got such an important. Uh, another, I mean, I would you say yeah, he might be the most. And this might be a stretch. The most important prospect in the class for what he means to a program, based on what I mean, they're in the quarterback do, position now. We do like the the um, what's the the list of most intriguing players that I've not committed board. yet. Yes, but if I had to do a list of most important commitments to their team, which maybe you could write down for me, that'd be fun. Yeah, um, he might be one. I'm with you on that. Yes. Yeah, um, he just – but now there's pressure on him because, like, let's say they get bad quarterback play this year if Graham Mertz and, and Jack Miller are good or whatever. Like, there'll be so much pressure on let's and, and they go six and six. There'll be so much pressure on him next year. I think he would probably want that because he wants to play early. Yeah, yeah. You uh, profiled him early. So, um, yep. all right, all right. Any – I mean, we, 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 we touched on a lot of things. We, we obviously – we didn't – Cover everything that's happened in recruiting for two months, but it's good to get back. Talking recruiting. I've got a trivia question for you. Okay. We've done 39 Stars Matter podcasts and one recruiting podcast that wasn't Stars Matter. So 40 total. You've done 40 Uh, podcasts? Me and you together. We've done more than that. We've done 140 is what I said. We've done like weekly for almost two years. 140. Or three years. How many did we not have a trivia question for out of those 140? Um, I think I forgot one other time. Okay. So this is the second one. I just wanted you to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that everybody listening to the show, you know, got a, that was like my first taste of real grab ass, uh, you know, aside. Yeah. Um, on the show, but I hope that they enjoyed the recruiting breakdown. It felt like stars matter. There's a reminder that, you know, this is still happening. Uh, it's still coming back. Please, please, please. If you have not already um, like, and subscribe to the until Saturday feed where you will find stars matter in the future. And of course, all of our other college football podcasts from the athletic uh, follow on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, leave a, a review uh, five stars, preferably in order to <laughs> help this podcast grow and continue on strong. Um, also subscribe to the YouTube channel where we will be live on the Saturday night shows that you guys have come to love. Uh, and the link to the YouTube channel is found in the description of the show uh, for Mitch light. Uh, thank you so much. I'm Ari Wasserman. Catch you later. <laughs>